several years ago, just before I went off to college, I had a great idea with a friend of mine. His name is Roy Denalian. He actually lives in Indianapolis now. And I said, Roy, let's go deep sea fishing. I had gone about a month and a half before with my, with my father, and it was nice and calm, and we had a great time. We no sooner got out of the Bay Area and out onto the open water, and it got choppy. And um, Roy got so sick, and he was shivering and sitting on the floor. And I took my outer shirt off and covered, covered him. He had the sense he actually crawled to the back of the ship, and I muscled through. I would fish a little bit and then get sick a little bit, and I would fish a little bit and get sick a little bit. Towards the, when they finally said, all right, we're gonna go back in, and I went and found Roy. I thought he would be nigh unto death. Instead, he was sitting up playing cards with some guys. He, he, he was doing fine. A few years later, several years later, just a few years ago, as a Father's Day present, one of my sons said, you know, I'm going to take my brother, brothers and my dad out on Lake Michigan. We got up early in the morning. I do early mornings. That was fine. We, the boat got out to the middle of the lake, and as soon as they shut that motor off and it began to toss and turn, I literally had my head over a bucket the whole time. I could not turn to talk to them. And I have since realized that I either have an inner ear issue or the, nobody should go out fishing <laughs> on open water. I didn't realize how bad it was till I started studying for this text and I got sick. No, no, that, that would be a little <laughs> extreme. But as was said, Matthew records a scribe coming to Jesus with good intentions and high evaluation. He says, teacher, I am ready to follow you wherever you go. Let's go back to Mark chapter 4 as our primary text today. <clears throat> Maybe you and I have said or sung such words, Lord, I'm ready to go with you wherever you go. I am ready. I, Lord, I am ready. And right after Jesus talked about discipleship is when Matthew records about the Lord calming the sea. This text you are very familiar with. I'm not going to tell you anything new. It's a passage that you love. Let me ask you, are you ready to be encouraged by this passage? Are you ready to be corrected by this passage? May you and I fall in awe of our Lord again and of his marvelous power. May his sovereign control and right and power and plan knock us on our heels. The one that we pray to this morning is the one who can do anything. Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 32, Nothing is too hard for you. And so, so you and I should rejoice in that today. There are times where Jesus asked questions. One of these days when I read through the Bible, I'm going to make a list of all the questions that Jesus asked. Did Jesus ever ask a question because he was looking for information that he did not know? Never. 
Did Jesus ever ask a question because he was trying to draw information out of them and lead them to a conclusion that he already knew? And the answer is always. So there were times where Jesus might ask a question like, who do people say that I am? Or as I read this week, he asked a question, do you believe this? It's a teaching moment, isn't it? There could be something demanding or even devastating in your 2023 or in this month or in this year. Something that is so arresting that at least momentarily you forget that God is greater than your circumstances. But hopefully, passages that you've read and our study of this draw you back where you say, wait a minute, I cannot live by fear. My faith must overcome. So the story depends, it begins with disciples taking Jesus and doing what they think is best for him. It says in verse 36, leaving the crowd, they took him with him in the boat. Weist, in his Greek word studies, he says this, the disciples took the exhausted Lord under their care just as he was in the boat. We have to remember this was a long day. All these parables that we've been studying for weeks took place in a day. Most of them that we have just been studying, it was a long day of teaching, and the Lord's got one more lesson to teach out on the open sea. We're actually under the Lord's care, and He has things under His control all the time, no matter what the circumstances. You say, but I have received such devastating news. I haven't shared it with anybody. The Lord knows, and the Lord is in control. Let's look in our outline, first of all, this terror all around. We hear of terrorist activities. Usually they seem like they're overseas, but sometimes in our backyard. But this account here, when he talks about The wind arose, verse 37, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. Mark wasn't there. How did Mark know about this? Mark leans very heavily on Peter's eyewitness account. And I've got news for you. Peter didn't forget too much about that storm on that night, on that certain day. Those who were used to making their living by the ocean. And some of you have been to Israel. Some of you have been to Galilee. Some of you have eaten what they might call Peter's fish, right? Even today, say a small village or small town along New England where a number of people from that village are involved in fishing. They operate the boat. They work the equipment to pull the lobster traps up into the boat, something of that nature. If there is a catastrophe and that ship goes down, 
it's devastating to that whole community. And this is the time that Jesus lived as well. This, uh, this lake sat in a wind channel, and very placid waters could become turbulent, could be bucking waves in just a matter of, of 40 minutes, they say. And Luke records in Luke 8 that hurricane winds, it says, came down on the lake. So when these winds come off the ocean and over the hill on, onto this little Sea of Galilee, they can do so with great ferocity. And as was said, Matthew records this as, a, as the earth shaking. The water was so turbulent. It is not a sin to, be, to experience fear. And I'll have more to say on this on Wednesday night when we talk about Job, who feared God. But fear is an emotion, is a guttural, visceral response. David said, what time I am afraid. So David feared. Other men in the word of God feared. Some fears seem to make good sense. You say, I'm afraid based on what I'm hearing at work and in the economy. I'm afraid that my position may be lost. I may be unemployed. I'm, I'm afraid uh, they, they're concerned, they're doing some tests. I may have cancer. Some of those we say, with good reason, we, we are concerned. There's something right to do with those concerns. We don't just keep it to ourselves. Some of our concerns are fairly immediate and short-lived. I remember looking out my window one time, and a car went by and backfired, and a cat that was walking, you know, they stroll, they have a swagger. And that cat jumped up in the air, all claws out, and by the time he landed, he'd already realized it was not something, and he, and he resumed, and he just continued in his stride. You know, there are times where we say, what was that? God, what did you just allow? Sometimes we recover quickly. Sometimes you say, you know, some of these fears have been plaguing me for years, Pastor. Some of them seem to make sense, and some of them don't make sense. But guess what? Even the ones that wouldn't make sense to you, they're still there. They still haunt me. What do I do with the fears that I experience? That's what's important. David, who said, what time I am afraid, now finish it with me. I will trust in you. There's a disciplined mind. There's a, an intentional response. There's a spiritual discipline there. Point A, conditions that they couldn't control. That's what we have here. Leaving the crowd, he took them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat. Not all these disciples came from the same background or even the same city. Some of them were used to making their living on a sea. They'd seen storms. And some of them were um, tax collectors. <laughs> and 
And they weren't used to being out on the open ocean. Guess which ones were afraid? All of them. That's what kind of storm this was. What events like waves are crashing into your frail skiff? <laughs> what things seem to say, leave you saying, I'm not in control? Actually, you are never in control. We want to think that we are. And if we fall for that deception, we only bring things to the Lord when we say, well, this is bigger than I can handle. It's all bigger than we can handle. There's nothing that you are in control of. Our default response, our go-to response is, all right, how can, I, how can I get out of this? Who do I know? Who owes me a favor? Who, who, who have I called on before? What, what can I possibly do? We're all like the sailors on Jonah's boat. When Jonah said, you probably just need to throw me overboard. No, 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 no. We'll, we'll, we'll do that if we need to, but let's try this first. Let's lighten the load. Let's, and all of us like to try to, how can I get out of this emotional, this financial, this spiritual dilemma that I'm in? You are never in control. Thank you for that, Pastor. That encouraging word today. What had they done to bring the storm on them? That's a ridiculous question. I'm, I'm sure, I'm convinced that Bildad, Zophar, and Eliphaz would have come along them in the boat and said, what did you need to confess? What did you do that brought this storm on? But you know what? God saw that there was a value in them going through this and God not only permitted it, can I go so far to say God designed it? They were actually obeying the Lord. He said, cast off, let's go to the other side. Yes, sir. They cast off and they could have said, Lord, we're not sinning. We're not running from your will. We're doing your will. And God says, yes, and I have you right in the middle of my perfect will. You're not out of my control. In God's providence. What is providence? That's God orchestrating the affairs of nature and events and mankind to do his perfect will. In God's providence, they were involved to crossing to the other side. Probably a six-mile jaunt over the northern tip of the Sea of Galilee. Shouldn't have taken that long. They'd done this many times before. It was probably pretty calm when they started off, wouldn't you think? This is not a natural storm. This is God bringing it on. And now, not only added to the fact that, because the two storms I told you about, or, or choppy seas, were during the day, add to that that it was at nighttime. Luke chapter 8, verse 16 says, they were filling with water and we're in danger, and all this is taking place at night. They would have admitted, we're not in control. And Jesus is sleeping. So secondly, not only were the conditions they couldn't control, but 
they had a concern with a Lord who didn't care. Now you can put, they didn't think, but in their mind, Lord, don't you care that we're perishing? Is fraught with emotion. They were yelling at him. And he was sleeping through it. The howling wind and the yelling disciples contrast that with the fact that Jesus is asleep in the stern of the boat. I looked over at one point and Roy Denalian was laying down sick as a dog at my feet and when we would pull fish over, the fish were slapping him in the face and he couldn't do anything about it. I don't know how he tells that story, but that's how, it's my story. It's my truth. In a state of sheer terror, they're yelling at Christ. Did the Lord rebuke them for their question? Does the Lord seem shocked when you come and say, Lord, do you not care? Where are you? Does God rebuke David when in the Psalms he says, Lord, where are you? Aren't you glad that you have a heavenly Father who invites you with all questions and all our emotions to come to him as we are? He doesn't say, hey, 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 get yourself under control, then talk to me. Were they familiar? You might want to write this down, Psalm 107, verses 23 through 30. Are they, were they familiar with that text that talks about the God raising a wind and quieting the waters? Theologically, can you answer the question, does Jesus care? I think so. You probably have a verse for that. You have some proof texts that you can give. But in the middle of a crisis, with growing faith, can you say, he cares even in this? Or do we just leave that part out? Does Jesus care? You sang beautifully a few minutes ago. You know, Satan would love for you to look at the waves, to look at the conditions, and think that Christ is absent and say, you know what? I'm no longer sure he does care. Satan would love to jump on that. The crowd that gathered outside of the little town of Nain, they watched a widow mourning, grieving over the loss of her son. And Luke 7, 13 says, Jesus had compassion on her. Does Jesus care? Answer it, yes or no? Yes. He had compassion. And sometime later... Mary mourned over the death of her brother in John eleven thirty five. 35. What does it say? Jesus did what? Wept. He had compassion. And Jesus wept. Jesus was about to act. He was about to snatch both of these back from the jaws of death. And yet there was a response. Jesus had compassion. Jesus wept and Jesus answered and you say, you know, why is the Lord leaving me in this trial? Doesn't he promise to deliver us from evil? 
When you question, is he, where is he? If you are in Christ, he is with you. Secondly, let's look at the master in the midst. Master in the midst. So I, I, I'll ask you a theological question. Were they ever in peril? You want to say yes. There's winds and waves and the boat's filling up. Jesus is in the boat. If Jesus is in your boat, are you really in peril? That's something for you to work out during lunch today. Point A, the Lord can rebuke the forces of nature. It's all under his control. Have you ever looked at a powerful thunderstorm and said, shh, shh, simmer down? Have you ever done that? You ever had anybody while you're talking come up and put their finger, shh, oh, oh okay. Have you ever said, shut up? Oh, it, we, that's, that's not acceptable, but that's basically what the Lord did to the storm. He has power. If you ever see me hushing a storm, put me in a real tight jacket, <laughs> and I'll be okay, maybe. But no storm stops suddenly. It takes a while to build up. Sometimes we see them come, and we see them go. And I watch from my house and I think, wow, it looks dark up there. That's, that's right about where camp is. I wonder what the Vanderskills are going through right now. Okay. But did they ever stop suddenly? Not like this. Because the Lord is in control. It wasn't a typical storm. And he is not a typical rabbi. All creation... Colossians 1.16 says, was created through him and for him. And he is over all these things. He is sovereign over it. It was made by him. Romans chapter 8 tells us that all this creation that he made is groaning, waiting for his redemption of it. And it's under his control. I said earlier, you are never in control. And on the other side of that would be that God is always in control. The evolutionist who rules out God, the existence of God, the power of God, the plan of God, the love of God, also rules out the fact that this same God is in control of all nature. And so they leave you with, there's no God. There's no one who can control this. We're at the hands of forces, of weather systems, of rifts in the valley, of sudden things. No, the Christian says, no, there is a God. He made it all. He will destroy it all. He will remake it all. Guess what? He's over it all. Is what Jesus did before us is it a miracle? Let's read on. Beginning at verse 38. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and they said, 
Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke, and he rubbed his eyes for a moment. I put that in there. And he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a, what? Great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Was this a miracle? Yes. There's no other way to look at it. Was it a demonstration of the power and the the might and the goodness of God? Absolutely. Should they have been surprised that Jesus could do this? No. But are we? Do we handle it with such great faith? Lord, arise. Things are a little out of control, but you, we know you've got great plans. That's not what they said. That's not what our prayers sound like. If we truly believe that he made it all and he holds it all, we can also sleep, rest in him. Secondly, point B, not only the Lord can rebuke the forces of nature, B, the teacher can rebuke his disciples. Why is it so easy for us to doubt God? Why is it so easy for us to read a passage in the morning and say, that's good, I need that, that's that's something to stand on, and by that afternoon or evening, we get something in the mail or phone call, and we say, I I don't, I, don't, I don't know what to do with this. Do we ever find ourselves wondering, does the Lord know what I'm going through? Is God big enough to deal with this? Is God caring? Is God fair? Do we ever ask these? Well, you don't call the pastor up and tell him what you're thinking, but we do have these thoughts. Number one, there was mercy behind the correction. When the Lord says, why are you so afraid? There's our title for this message. Have you still no faith? The disciples were in the grip of fear. The master was in the midst of them, but they were in the grip of fear. They dreaded drowning. Wouldn't you? A little flashback. In my, to my childhood when I trusted Christ as my Savior. I was like eight, nine years old, of age. And I didn't, I wasn't a big fan of water. Um, baths were okay to a point. I was a boy. Okay. But uh, deep water, learning to swim, not interested. Came to a point where I wanted to be baptized. I wanted fo- to follow the Lord. So I had to practice putting my head underwater. By the way, my baptism and all my emotional distresses comes back to this point. Not seriously. But was that for some reason they had crates stacked up in the water. And so when the pastor would baptize a child, he'd put them on those crates. We don't do that. We don't. And he put me on, he started asking me some questions and next thing I know, I went down in the water. The crates fell apart, and uh, I got dunked twice. Uh, you know, are, do we have a fear of water? Some of you say, oh, I love water. Do you have a fear of drowning? 
Yes. Yes. Yes, we do. So why does Jesus even ask this question, verse 40? Why are you so afraid? Are you serious? Look around. Fear is something that very easily halts our praise. It can steal our joy. Let me tell you something else. Fear can rob our worship. It is a worship robber. When you're in the midst of fear, under the grip of fear, it's hard to say, Lord, you are so good and you are so in control. And have I told you I love you today? The phobias... And that's what verse 41, a great phobia, great fear. It misdirects. It takes our fear from the right object, which is what? God. To say, no, look at this instead. Lord, Lord look, at the, look at the waves. Look at the size of my problem. Look at my little boat. Jesus says, no, look at me. Look to me and be saved. Jesus was not just testing their faith. He was increasing or growing their faith. What is it that you want in your Christian life? Lord, keep me from all problems. I think it was Moody that said, don't pray that the Lord will take every burden off your shoulders. Ask him to give you stronger shoulders to carry a heavier burden however you want to look at it. But a lot of times our question is, Lord, can you, can you keep delivering me from any trial? He doesn't promise that. Israel was to fear and obey God. Christians are to reverence God alone. And fear of God contains fear of the unknown. Fear of trials. Secondly, not only was there mercy behind the correction, but there, was, there is value in our being tested and rebuked. Faith is not living in conditions that there is nothing threatening, there is no alarm. Faith is putting our trust in God in such a way that it leaves no oxygen for fear to, to grow. Without his rebuke, without that storm, without his rebuke, without that miracle, what would have led them to appreciate on that day the sovereignty of God when they said, who then is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? What do you want today? I want you to finish so we can eat lunch. All right, what else do you want? What do you want from your Christian life this week? What do you want from the scripture reading? I want a bigger view of God. We don't always need positive reinforcement like we think we do. Sometimes your children don't just need you to come around and put your arm, you're doing such a great job. You're the greatest. Sometimes you, they need you to put your arm around them and say, what are you thinking? What are you doing here? And sometimes the Lord does comfort us. He always can comfort us, but sometimes he also corrects us, maybe through a sermon, maybe through a passage, 
Maybe through a Christian who truly loves you enough and cares for you to say, what are you doing? I'm not looking for that. I'll find another church that just tells me positive things. It is the Lord who said, why do you have such small faith? He could have put it much more politically correct than that. Ask the Lord today and this week, Lord, bring to my life, if you can, Lord, bring to my life anything that will take my eyes off the waves and give me a bigger picture of you that will increase anything, bring anything into my life. That's fear over faith. I have a pastor friend. I was going to say I have a friend, but I didn't know if you'd really believe me. I have a pastor friend, and I asked him for permission this morning, and he granted it. I'm not going to tell you his name, but he's been going through a trial. Been going through a great trial. I wouldn't want to go through a trial. I'm glad to learn the lessons from him. (laughs) But you know, he told me recently on the phone, he said, My heart goes out to him. He said, I would ask the Lord to take me through that all over again. If I could learn again what the Lord has taught me about himself through this trial. Do you ever pray that way? You ever said that out loud? I was encouraged and rebuked at the same time. Let me wrap this up by saying... I've said before that those who say they have no fear should have fear. They should have. They've probably developed some mechanism, pleasure, hedonism, religion, something that keeps fear away. Some people run from any kind of They don't go to a funeral. They don't talk about serious things. They don't want to, I don't want to be faced with hard things. We insulate ourselves from problems. Just surround me with comedy and, and good times and distracting things. I am reading. I got up in the middle of the night a couple nights ago and just read and wrote and read and wrote and prayed on the subject of lament. Guess what? You'll probably get the fruit of that. One of these days I'll have a, a series on lament. I'm just preparing you ahead of time. There's a lot of value. David, Jeremiah, Job, all lamented. They poured out their heart to God. And these men on this occasion said, Lord, Don't you care that we're perishing? It's a fair question. May I ask you, what do you do when fear seems to be settling in? How do you answer that with faith? Courage begins with the cross. Think about it. You're not in control. You couldn't remove your sins. And Jesus has done forever, once for all, what you and I could never do. And it's only because of the finished work of Christ that we can say, I have courage in Christ. 
He's in control. He will see me through. He's, got a, he's preparing a place for me. Do you, do you trust him when things are going well? That's not the kind of faith that the Lord was wanting to deal with in his disciples. Why is your faith so small? When you're going through a minor trial, you might think about or quote, you know, a book that's been, an author that said something, but I've got news for you, and you're going through a life crisis, not a midlife crisis, a life crisis, you hold to the scriptures, not what somebody just says about the scriptures. Psalm 46.1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. You know what we need? We need a, a crisis that leads us to a therefore moment. Psalm 46 says, Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its... Though there's an earthquake of the waters. Because God is in control. The psalmist could say in Psalm 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. They could say all of this because... Psalm 46, 5, God is in the, what? Midst of her. The holy habitation of the Most, Most High. Don't lose sleep over asking, is, God, is Christ in my boat or not? If you're in Him, He is in you. He's in the boat. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So ask yourself, what steps do I take to make sure that my fear doesn't get the upper hand, that, that faith keeps things in check? I'll close with, with this. In verse 36, it says that they took Jesus with them in the boat. There's a, there's a couple other places I looked up and found this same verb. One is in Matthew chapter 2, verse 13, where God comes to Joseph in a dream, and he says, take the child in his mother and flee to Egypt. That word, paralambano, the idea, take under your care Mary and Jesus and go to Egypt. That's, that's a precious thought. But it's not one that I shared with somebody who is in hospice care recently. John 14.3 is the other one when the Lord says, and I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. The Lord says, I will take you under my care. Right now, I'm asking him to strengthen me through any trial. But my prayer is that one of these days, he will take me to be with him, that where he is, I may be also. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Let me, just before I pray, I want to just say, let Jesus correct you for your little faith or your deficient faith. Let him bring into your life some resistance training, some trial, something that will put your eyes back on him. Today with me, marvel at the, the power and the authority of God's Son. Delight in his presence.
be reverent in his presence. Attempts to control things are absolutely foolish if you stop and think about it. We're never in control. And as I said, Christ is always in control. And I'll just close with this. Lean not to your own understanding. Let me pray for you and then I have a closing announcement to make. Lord, grow us into the image of Christ by whatever means you choose. Help us to see, as we sometimes sing in that hymn, your way is perfect. Your way is perfect. You are the potter. We're a lump of stupid clay. You're the all-wise potter. Deliver us from evil. Show us your strength, your wisdom in every matter, and make us hunger, thirst for righteousness. May your word be precious to us today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. My announcement kind of builds off of what uh, Pastor Smith said a while ago. And we want to, first of all, as, as the elders, thank you for taking time, whether it was online or in the paper copy, filling out those comments. That has been, been helpful. Uh, we do believe that maintaining for now the current schedule that we're, we've had instead of going back and forth to continue that. But we're also mindful that there may be a better way uh, for the lunches or things that might relieve any kind of a, any, any stress. I don't know, maybe that's a little strong. But, um, or a better way having that afternoon service. Uh, some people are very traditional and we can be opinionated. I want this schedule or I want that schedule. We appreciate your sharing your opinions and your, and, and your comments. And all of that was read over and prayed over. Uh, we are continuing this, this same schedule. Um, but if you have something, you say, you know what? Something I think that would help the lunch or help the afternoon service or help our church or to increase our fellowship, please let us know. 